Hey, welcome to Afternoon Sport, the greatest podcast about sport you will ever hear. I'm Danny McGinlay. He's Shane Lee. Shane, such an historic week. How did you spend the first ever King's birthday of your lifetime? I'd like to say I was sitting on my lounge or my throne uh, with my crown on and um, cooking uh, roast swan, but um, <laughs> it was far from that, mate. No, it was, uh, it was quite. A, we had a nice family dinner at home, mate. I didn't cook roast swan because I go for the swans, mate. Yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta agree with you there, Shane. I think. It's deeply unfair that um, there is some arcane rule, in case people don't know, that only the king or the queen can eat swan. Because mm. I'm looking at them, like they look like a you know just a big duck. They'd be tasty. <laughs> well, I've been watching my Sydney Swans play this year, mate, and they've been eaten up week after week, <laughs> which is a real shame. I say, as soon as we become a republic, barbecued swan becomes the national dish. Cheer, cheer, the red and the white. Yes, there we go. <laughs> well, it'll taste better than my bulldog. Anyway, yeah. um. Today we're talking tennis, French Open, cricket, Australia being the world champions once again, and of course our favourite footy codes. Hi, it's David Poir here, host of the Employability Podcast. We have a new season of episodes for you to listen to, so if you're someone starting out in your professional career and looking for a way to get ahead in the corporate world, tune in. On the pod, we talk to a bunch of people from diverse backgrounds who have navigated their way to successful careers here in Australia. Find the Employability Podcast on any podcast app and click to follow. So, Shane, let's kick it off with the cricket. Australia finally crowned international world test champions. Hey, I always believed this final meant something. It certainly does now. Um, but what a fantastic effort from the boys. I tell you what, if uh, from a preparation perspective, I don't think that you could have a better team effort. Um, pretty much every player within that Australian side contributed in some way. Um, Head Travis Head, uh, obviously, man of the match with his brilliant 163. Steve Smith, 121. Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper, he contributed um, with his 66 not out in the second innings, but 120 runs for the, the match and also six catches. Nathan Lyon chipping with four wickets in the, in the second innings with Scott Boland, three for 46, five for the match. All-round great team effort and Australia winning by 209 runs against India. World Test champions for the first time. Um, it's only been going for four years, but uh, Australia World Test champions. Congratulations. It is pretty exciting. Uh, it's, it's, so we, we'd be able to celebrate what? It's, so we won the game Saturday, England time. Yep. Uh, have a few beers Saturday night, maybe a couple more on Sunday. But then it's straight, it's knuckles down because Ashes start on Friday. It does, mate. So the, the real work starts now. And uh, as I said at the start of this t- um before Australia play this World, World Test Championship, they would rather win the Ashes than, and lose the World Test Champion, I think, um, as opposed to other way, other way around. So the real work starts now. Australia needs to focus. But I'll tell you what, as I said, good preparation. Everyone on that Australian side is contributing, which means, unfortunately, I think for Josh Hazelwood, that he won't play in the first test. Scott Boland will. Oh, well, Scott Boland absolutely does. You know, yeah. he, he, we all deserve to be watching Scott Boland play. He was amazing. Hey, give us a bit of insight. Yeah. Um, we play at Eggbaston, mm. uh, yeah. Edgebaston, however you pronounce <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, God, I really shouldn't be hosting a sports podcast with my pronunciation <laughs> issues. Um, that's around Birmingham, isn't it? It is. It's in Birmingham. It's um it's a pretty sort of docile wicket. Um, it'll take a little bit of seam, a little bit of spin, um, but it's generally a pretty good batting wicket. Uh, whoever whoever wins the toss there, I dare say, will bat first. Yep. Um, but it's really really key that the first session of an Ashes series is is a real key moment. You don't make you want to make sure you don't if you win the toss and bat, don't lose a heap of quick wickets. 
and vice versa. You don't let the um, the opposition get away with too many runs early doors. So yeah, I couldn't yeah, agree Australia more. Will go in. It, yeah. d- it does seem like uh, the first over even of an Ashes series yeah. really does set the tone. Yeah, I remember um, it was I think it was the nineteen ninety five Ashes out here. Um, Phil DeFreitas opening the bowling for England at the at the Gabba. He came in, bowled a floating outswinger, and Michael Slater almost fell over. I was down on one knee and punched it over, point for four. And Ian both in commentary said, "There goes the Ashes." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, last time they were out here, we got them with the literally the first ball of the series. And wasn't there uh, one series, Shane, where I actually can't remember who was bowling for was England or Australia, and just the first ball went like three metres wide? Yeah, it was Harmison, the big fast bowler from Yorkshire. Um, he came in bowling, I think it was to Justin Langer, and it pretty much almost hit the, missed the second wicket. Um, wow. And once, once again, that set the tone, and England lost that series 5-0. So really, what what could I'm trying to think of what could be a worse first ball for England than what happened last time? Maybe if Australia gets sent into bat and uh, they come in, they they bowl straight, but uh, our opening batsman gives it a tonk. It's probably David Warner gives it a tonk. Yeah. It goes for six and somehow peppers <laughs> Brendan McCallum right in the head, and he has to be taken to hospital for <laughs> under the concussion protocol. Or Anderson bowls the perfect in swinger to Warner, bowls him and has a no ball, and then Warner oh, goes on. Warner, Warner goes on and gets a hundred. There you go. <laughs> Oh, this is, I can't wait for this. This is going to be absolutely brilliant. Hey, uh, speaking of absolutely brilliant, Novak Djokovic. A lot of people don't like him, but he's now out in front. 23 Grand Slam titles after the French Open. He won on the weekend. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, currently the greatest uh, men's tennis player now of all time with 23 Grand, Grand Slam titles. Um, he, he defeated Kasparov Rudd um, pretty comfortably, actually. 7-6, 6-3, 7-5 uh, to take him to three times uh, French Open winner and 23 titles overall superstar. Yeah. I mean, I looked, I watched the yeah. highlights. Casper Rudd, he just didn't have the fangs to win it. He looked like he was just happy to be there. He spent the first minute of his runners-up speech just praising how good Djokovic is. Yeah. It had a real Washington Generals vibe. It did. And look, and Casper Rudd could not play uh, a better first set, I don't think. Um, and that's what the Joker can do. He, like, he just wins the key points. Um, the Carlos Alcaraz that he beat in the semi – Look, I don't think that young kid will, will beat um, Novak again until Novak retires. Um, he just well, when it. will? Yeah, he just well. When- mate, you got to think now. He's got twenty three. He could up. He could finish on twenty five. I said this a while ago. He could finish on twenty five by the end of this summer um, with the with Wimbledon, the U.S. Open. Yeah, um, yeah he, he could end up with 26, 27. Who knows? I think he's just going to chase titles till his body fails him. Which uh, yeah. and the thing with Novak is like you know he has he believes in all those crystals and the healing power of uh, you know who knows yeah. what it's going to he's going to rub a spatula on his knee and claim that that you know cured his <laughs> asthma or something. But uh, or or you know he's famously anti-vaccine, so maybe just a severe case of measles will finish him off. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait and see. But uh, and then the women's draw too. I have a Switek, the Polish superstar, also won. She's now also a three-time French Open winner, um, beating Carolina um, Muchova. She's uh, awesome. 6-2, yeah, 6-2, um, which makes me think, you know, um, Switek now, who's number one player in the world, uh, three-time French Open winner, she couldn't get close to Ash Barty before Ash Barty retired at a young age. Ash Barty must be thinking now, gee whiz, I could have a number of titles under my belt. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you know, tennis yeah. is really built on those great rivalries, and I can't see mm. anyone being a rival to Swiatek for a while. Nah. She is delightful, though. Like she's she could yeah. easily become the villain, as as we say on this podcast all the time. Tennis is WWE for people who don't like yep. violence. Um, so Swiatek wants to be a good character. She's. I, I love the way she shook the trophy so hard that the top came off. That was adorable. <laughs> because we need more characters in women's sport. I mean, I'm hoping, because uh, let's talk about the, the Women's World Cup, which starts in mm. just over a month, five weeks till this tournament. I'm really excited about it. Just to have a World Cup on Australian soil, meaning the matches will be played at a at a decent time slot for, for round ball fans like myself. I'm just hoping we get some heroes, we get some villains. That would be great. Uh, Kate Ford, uh, Australian... Uh, a brilliant, brilliant player. She plays for Arsenal in the WSL. Mm. She's uh, there was a piece about her talking about how it could be a major growth for women's sport and abroad. It's it does feel like a really uh, transformational moment for women's sport. I mean, we've had the AFLW and the Rugby League W for a couple of years, but I'm really hoping we you know we start. It stops being people stop treating it as a bit of a novelty and just really get into it now. Yeah, I think it's more than a novelty now. Um, and I think Caitlin Ford is right. The fact that we have a Women's World Cup here on our home turf in a period where women's sport is really growing at, at, at a super fast rate. Um, yeah, the, the worlds are aligning, I think, um, for, for women's sport and women's soccer here in this country. But Caitlin Ford, look, she's, she's super pumped. She's come off a, a bag of injuries. Um, she had a pandemic and now she's doing well with Arsenal. She's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, we've got we always talk about Sam Kerr, but there are so many brilliant Matildas. Ellie Carpenter, who's plays for Lyon mm. in France, she is an absolute superstar. I'm hoping that the Matildas go all the way and and these women become the household names they deserve to be. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, girls. Just but the key is let's get through the first game, first couple of games, win win the ones we should win, and then we can look at the, the title at the end of it. Damn straight. And yeah, while we're yep. on the round ball game, big uh, story mm. on four corners tonight. It's gonna. Uh, well, it's interesting to hear your thoughts on this, Shane. So apparently Football Australia make money from gambling on amateur games. Now, mm. my, my initial – when you read that headline, you, of course, go, wow, that, that sounds bad. But it's all dodgy. The fact that gambling companies can even sponsor major sporting events, is it stinks to high heaven. Them taking a bit of coin from every bet on any football game in Australia, that's the least of our worries. I think it is. Um, it happens across every sport, not on the amateur level. Um, all other sports like AFL cricket, the associations get a piece of the pie. If the major sponsors are, say, Bet365 or a Ladbrokes, um, they get a piece of the action. Um, it just seems that soccer has gone a little bit deeper than that and gone down to the local level, under 20s even, um, which I think it's a, it's a risk because not from the football association, but from the betting partners oh, yeah. who want to take on those games where it could easily be um, corruption could take place. Yeah, because these players aren't getting paid too much, so you could get That's them right. to take a dive yep. in the uh, in the second half. Of the who season. would have thought a soccer player taking a dive? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you if you're trying to bribe a you know a Premier League footballer, you got to fork out hundreds and thousands of pounds. That's right. But That's if you right. go to you know my local team, Northcote City, you know those yep. boys will do it for a packet of cigarettes and a souvlaki. That's right, mate. Even, even just a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, that is hundreds of thousands of pounds at the moment. Have That's you right. seen how much a, a deck of smokes costs now, Shane? Well, I've never been a smoker, mate. So last time I heard it was about fifty bucks. Is it's that right? Fifty bucks. It's getting to the point yeah. where yeah. it's gonna. Someone's gonna say to you, I'm, "I'm, you know, my granddad died," and you're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. What did he die of?" And they'll say lung cancer, and you'll be like, "Ooh, all right, money back." <laughs> died of poverty. Yeah. <laughs> hey, stay with us because we're going to be talking both footy uh, codes right after this. 
Someone you love could die of a sudden cardiac arrest at any age, any fitness, at any time. More than 80% happen at home and chances of survival decrease by 10% every minute. And sadly, in Australia, around 50 people die from cardiac arrest a day while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. But now you can increase your chances of survival with CellAid, the world's first mini personal defibrillator. It's simple to use and as small as a block of chocolate. Every home should have a CellAid. It's really a lifesaver. Buy your CellAid at CellAid.io. That's C-E-L-L-A-E-D dot I-O. Welcome back to Afternoon Sport. I'm Danny McGinley. He's Shane Lee. Hey, yesterday, the big freeze on the King's birthday. I mean, it's one of the just the it, – it's a great day on the footy calendar. It's a, it's a bit of fun. We're laughing in the face of this horrible uh, disease, motor neurone. The, the celebrities go down the um, down the slide into the ice. Do you, do you, did you watch it, Shane? I did, mate. It's a, it's a fantastic charity. Uh, it's Neil Danaher's fight against motor neurone disease, and he gets – um, different celebrities to slide down a slide into an ice into an ice bath. Um, it looks bloody scary and cold. Um, yeah, but yeah, some some of the celebrities: Jason Dunstall, Mick Fanning, uh, Talia Harris, Eric Banner, yes. uh, Michelle Payne, the jockey, Aaron Finch, the former Australian one day captain, um, all had a go and uh, all contributed. I don't, what did they end up raising in the end? It was, it's a oh, it's significant thousands. amount of money. Because yeah. it, it all comes yep. back with the, uh, the the ticket sales as well and the, yeah, the, sure. the beanies and everything. Look, I've I got a controversial take for you, Shane. Um, okay. I think I, 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 compl- I love the idea of this. I just think we've done now close to a decade of celebrities just sliding down a slide into an mm-hmm. ice bath. Yep. Visually, yep. it's not that fun. I'm just – look, <laughs> as, a, as an entertainer myself, I just want to – Offer suggestions like it, it's we, we're halfway there, but let's keep evolving it. Let's not rest on our laurels. I think yep. just add a bit more of a competitive edge to it, and add a bit more Birdman rally to it. You could do. We could get the guys to do it naked, and you do a pre and post yes. pre and post ice bath measurement. What do you reckon? I think that's an absolutely brilliant <laughs> idea. I mean, I've been saying for years that the modern Olympics needs to go back to the ancient Olympics. Everyone should be naked. Let's not be prudish about this. These are athletes right. with amazing bodies. Yep. Well, you know, and Jason Dunstall, but it's. <laughs> Let's just laugh at you know, laugh at our bodies. I reckon it'd be brilliant. But hey, it was it was a prelude to an absolutely amazing game. The D's yeah, got up over the pies, but only by four points. And look, Collingwood—they're just unstoppable. I mean, they were stopped yesterday, but they had yep. several good players out. I reckon we should just start engraving the Premiership Cup now. It, it could appear that way, but it's good to see Melbourne um, the way they went about their business uh, to stop. Collingwood's eight-match winning streak. Um, they ended up winning 66 to 62, as you said, only four points. Frisk, three goals. But it was the, the midfield from um, Melbourne that won in the Premiership two years ago. Angus um, Brayshaw, 25 disposals. Uh, Christian Petrarca, 28. Uh, and Lockie Hunter, too, with 28. So, yeah, lots of really good work in the midfield that really set... Um, Melbourne up for a victory. Some low scores this year, but mate, have you noticed that? Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Been, well, you know, you, I like to be an optimist and say that just shows the defence are doing their jobs. Yeah. Yeah, but well, no, it must this, be. At no point was this a dull game. This was no. this felt like a final. It was genuinely exciting. Uh, I, I, I just think you know, Colling, I don't see any Collingwood fan panicking after that. And uh, it? it's they just it, look Melbourne will go top four, but I think. 
Collingwood have got this season pretty much done and dusted. And yes, I'm using that as a defence mechanism because I don't want them to win it. But if you t- and telling Collingwood fans that it's locked in really annoys them. Yep. So, footy fans, if we- go to your Collingwood supporting mate, tell them it is locked in. They they hate well, it. Well, if you look if you look at the top five currently now, uh, Collingwood is still on top with 44. Port Adelaide also 44. Melbourne 36. Brisbane 32. St Kilda 32. It's surprising the Saints in there. Hey, uh, I noticed yep. you didn't say Carlton in there. No. They are having like they're just finding new ways to make their fans even more depressed. It's it's actually quite impressive what Carlton can do to give their fans hope and then take it away. Uh, look, there's there was a piece in the Guardian about uh, how Carlton maybe have to admit that Michael Voss is not the man from the job, but the Brian Cook, the CEO, has said no, we're going to stick with him for at least another year. Look, it, it looks like Carlton have tried sacking their coach, and that's that's failed mm. over the last few years with David Teague, Brendan Bolton, and Mick Malthouse. Yep. Now they're trying not sacking their coach. I mean, it is a brave new world. Well, yeah. How much can you blame the coach? Their their tactics were um, a couple of years ago signing the two big big forwards um, uh, to go aerial and try and win the ball in the air, and we know that doesn't have a lot of success in AFL these days. Because mm-hmm. um, the defence is so too, good. Yeah, it doesn't help that their two star forwards when they do take a mark can't kick straight let alone their midfield. Mate, those guys could hit the side of a bus with some of their passes. I know, but you've got to remember that there's, this mm. is a side with at least half a dozen top 20 draft picks in there. And some of the guys are signed to 2028, 29, so um, they're, they're, those players aren't going anywhere. So it's, um, they're, they're, they're all supposed to put their balls on the line, Carlton, with some of these long-term signings. So what would you do if you're a Carlton fan mm. and you're going through probably the worst period of your life as a footy fan and there's no end in sight – what can you do to make yourself feel better? Oh, I'll go to the tennis open this year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the bad thing is, you know, you say, well, I go for the Blues, but I mean New South Wales. They're not doing much better. <laughs> They're not, mate. But time will tell. Apparently, the um, the team will be announced uh, in about an hour's time here, the State of Origin number two side. And, um, yeah, we'll see how we go. It's uh, the big uh, discussion at the moment. Will it be Nico Hines from uh, Cronulla to take – uh, Nathan Cleary's spot, who probably had his worst game in, in club football in about four years, or Mitchell Moses, who played two years ago for New South Wales in the state of origin, didn't make one metre, didn't do one kick, um, and had an absolute shocker, but had an absolute blinder on the weekend for Parramatta. I think you've got to bring in Moses. You know, I love a redemption story, yeah. and you know... It just it feels like that, that he'll if this was a movie he would be constantly thinking back to the last yeah, Origin yeah. game and and then the stirring music would start probably with uh, with uh, I feel Journey maybe from Rocky <laughs> Three would start playing and then Mitch Moses comes through and, and a great a great upset win for New South Wales that's what I'm feeling. yeah I don't, I don't know about that I don't know I'd go with I'd go with uh, Nico Hines I think I just think some players are very good club footballers and some can't make the step to, um, you know, state level or international level. Now, it's a big call. Moses only had one crack at it, but he just looked like a deer in the headlights. And, um, you know, as I said, uh, Parramatta um, had a fantastic win over the Bulldogs, winning 34-12. to 12. Gutherson scoring a hat-trick. And um, in the first half, um, it, it was Moses who just carved him up and, and set up another uh, try for Simonson, Simonson as well. And uh, Parramatta up 24-6 at half time and just dominating the Bulldogs. Oof. All right. So mm. I've made a big call saying Collingwood are, are, are locked in for the premiership this year. As, a, yep. as the as afternoon sports resident NRL expert, can anyone stop the Panthers? Well, uh, depends on how Cleary comes back from that hamstring injury. I think if he's fit towards the end of the year, he'll be fresh. 
they're going to be pretty hard to beat, I think. They've they got Dylan Edwards, their fullbacks, playing well. They've got great centres in Crichton. Um, they've got great forwards. Um, yeah, they're going to be pretty, pretty hard to stop. Broncos are still winning, and um, you know, Broncos last year had a end up losing about six in a row in and around State of Origin side. They're, I think they've got three in a row, three wins now. Um, so they'll be up there as well. I think it's going to be a Broncos uh, Penrith grand final. All right. I think that'll that'll be pretty good. Hey, uh, yeah. don't forget uh, today. Uh, by the time this goes to air, um, go check the scores of uh, Denver v Miami. Denver could be winning mm. their first ever NBA uh, championship. Is this the biggest win for a team with a nickname after a food stuff for a, for a, in, in history? <laughs> Do you want fries with those nuggets? That's, br- Ooh, that's yes. brilliant. Yeah, no, it's it's huge, isn't it? And um, for a team that's. Uh, the way they come through the championship this year, it's um, it'll be a huge, huge win. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be watching that as soon as we get off the air here today, mate. And the great thing is, because uh, in Colorado marijuana is legal, uh, you know that everyone's going to just be getting on, get, having a nice, uh, 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 relaxing time, and then order probably ordering with all the talk of nuggets. Yeah, I think McDonald's shares are going to go up. Yep. with all the munchies that's going to go be happening. Yeah, KFC will sell out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And a big thank you to our sponsors. A fantastic sponsor, Cell AED. It's the world's smallest defibrillator. can save someone's life or even yours. We'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com.